This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 8th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Hillary Clinton's free college plan has expanded a bit to become more generous. Neil McCluskey, director of the Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom, explains why the plan to make college more affordable will exacerbate many problems associated with higher education, including providing assistance to people likely to earn high incomes after college. Yeah, I wouldn't say that she necessarily unveiled her plan as added uh, an amendment to it, which makes it more generous than the old plan. So it used to be that the goal was be would be that you'd not have to take out debt to go to a public college or university. Now it's you would get absolutely tuition free. Um, Ultimately, if you make up to $125,000 a year, or if your family does. So that's sort of an increase in the generosity, courtesy of the taxpayer, of course, uh, in her plan. It's no longer just you don't have to take debt. It's you, you get that get that for free. Uh, and the estimate is that'll cover 8 out of 10 students. So that, you know, ultimately... Uh, Eight out of every 10 are going to be coming from families that make $125,000 or less. Now, there's also a three-year moratorium on collection of student debt. Uh, This time will supposedly be used to help people consolidate their loans, move it to lower interest uh, loans. And there's also, she talks about um, reducing the interest rate on student loans going forward, which is sort of interesting because the new rates on most of the undergraduate loans are sit at, I think, 3.75% right now. So it's not a whole lot lower. You can push those. But that's what she's talking about. So not totally free. And I suspect if challenged, she'll say, no, I'm not just giving it all away. I'm just making it cheaper. And if her audience happens to be people who plan to go to college, then talk about the free aspect. But it's certainly uh, an even bigger, more generous plan than what she originally issued. All right. And uh, is there an estimate of the fiscal impact? No. In fact, uh, if you look on the website, at least if you look at the sort of summary of it, she basically just says, don't worry, it's fully paid for because we're going to get rid of tax breaks for rich people. It doesn't say which ones, how much is going to generate. It just says fully paid for by removing uh, tax incentives for rich people. How do you suspect this would change if implemented the average student's experience in life? So the first uh, expectation is it won't be fully implemented, but let's say that it were. Uh, The mechanism Again, pretty vague, but the mechanism that's supposed to be used for this is the federal government would say, look, we're going to increase our expenditures on higher education and presumably not for the st- on the student like a voucher, but directly funding colleges and universities. But the way states that you get that money is you also have to increase your spending. And then we'll make this tuition free because a lot more of the money comes directly. Well, so that moves us a lot closer to basically a European model. Um, And the European model involves even more often wasted time in college than we have in our own model. Uh, So it's often because you have oversubscribed courses. You have uh, faculty that are very unresponsive to students because they don't have to be because the money is coming directly to the school. So you get bigger, bloated, more bureaucratized, less less efficient, uh, and less responsive higher education than we have right now. So what you're likely to see is lots of students 
in schools, having even harder time getting the courses they want, having less incentive to work their way quickly through school, and less incentive really, and this is most important, throughout higher education to focus on the skills you need to quickly get those skills and some signification that you have them and then move on to the workforce. It'll encourage lots of people to sort of languish at, in colleges and universities even longer than they already do. That all may be well and good for uh, voters inclined to support Hillary Clinton, uh, who are just now 18 or are currently in college and would hope to take advantage of it. But there are one of the big pushes that drove Bernie Sanders' campaign was student debt. And what has Hillary Clinton uh, su suggested for dealing with that? So Hillary's main thing about debt right now, so a lot of our concern has been with people who have uh, not necessarily high debt loads, but heavy debt loads for them. Uh, and how do you help those people? Uh, unfortunately, the tendency has been to conflate those two things, to say, well, people who have a lot of debt must be the ones most burdened with debt. And what we find is actually it's the people with relatively small debt who have the hardest time paying it back because they're not going into those kind of big ticket professions. They're not becoming doctors or lawyers or accountants or people who take on a, little debt, a lot of debt now but are going to have no trouble paying for it because they have high-paying jobs. The people who are really suffering are those people who have spent a fair amount of money and often not completed college, often because they uh, quite possibly aren't prepared to do college-level work, and they have relatively small loans, but for them, the burden is huge. Disproportionately, those are the people who can't pay back. What the Clinton plan does is say, well, let's have a three-month moratorium on, on paying back so we can get more people into income-based repayment and things like that. That's disproportionately actually going to help wealthy people, people who are on those high debt but even higher reward tracks. And this is sort of the problem with her plan overall. When you're talking about giving free tuition to people who make up to $125,000 a year, you're not talking about the poor people, the low-income people who may really need help. You're talking about providing lots of assistance to people who don't need it and who are going to college and are really going to get that you know million dollar more uh, in their lifetime and earnings than if they didn't go to college or more. If you go and you get advanced degrees, especially professional degrees, you're going to make even more than that. So who she's really helping disproportionately are those people, and that's the problem. Ultimately, what we need is to go to a system where we don't have big subsidies, where we don't have sort of these big legacy institutions that require you to be there for four years and take all sorts of courses you don't need and that also give you the big recreation facilities and things like that. And instead, you primarily have people especially who can afford it pay completely with their own money, which incentivizes efficiency. And then if you have to help low-income people, you say, look, here's a loan that you can use to quickly get the skills you need, not going to a college university, but like it could be a coding boot camp. Uh, it could be someplace you get certified in the operation of Windows or something like that, or Microsoft Office. And then you get into the workforce. But we're doing, through this plan, kind of the opposite. We're saying, let's put even more money into the extremely bloated, inefficient system. And let's give most of our debt relief to people who are probably going to earn enough they have no problem paying off their current debt. Neil McCluskey directs the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.